Play on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. Uh, here we are again. Another annoying Panther Monday where I want to call in sick and not talk about this crap. But we are here for the people and the people are upset and we are upset and we will discuss it. The offensive ineptitude continues with this franchise. It has been a long freaking theme. We will discuss it. Uh, we'll talk about Bryce coming back. Uh, how do we evaluate what he did? Um, how do we allow the blitzes to do that to us in the second half when we know they're coming all week long? Uh, how much of this blame has to go on the coaching staff? I did not feel it was a, a great day for the whole crew of all-star offensive coaches. I, I do not think it was a great day for them. We will discuss that here on the Mac and Bone Show. And all in the middle of it this weekend, we find out as a team with no wins, according to Ian Rappaport, we want to be buyers at the trade deadline. <laughs> when we go out and get starting wide receiver and starting safety. Um, does this team really ever just have a plan and stick to it? They're all over the place, man. We will talk about that. We'll recap the college football weekend. There were a lot of local teams from the Carolinas losing this weekend. There was a lot of that going on in college football. We will discuss here on the Mac and Bone Show. Good morning to you also. <laughs> Bone was involved in multiple losses uh, in the college football weekend, so we will certainly discuss that as well. Uh, speaking of losing, I mean, the U.S. I mean, by the time we were off the air, Bone, the U.S. Ryder Cup team was essentially done. That was not an enjoyable weekend as the Euros win that one. And a shout-out to Ryan Blaney for getting it done at Talladega yesterday and advancing to the round of eight. Roval week coming up this week here in Charlotte. So we got a lot to do. The Flound Dog's in the house. The Bone Man is in the house. Bone, what's going on, man? Hey, Mac, how are you? Good morning. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. The Charlotte Comfort Systems temperature right now, 61 degrees. Get a full system tune up today, $99.00. With Charlotte Comfort Systems at charlottecomfortsystems.com. Mac, back to you because I'm out of talking football. Dude, the techs are. I, uh, I learned this weekend. What did you learn? What did you learn? I learned that football might not be for me, Mac. It's not right your now. thing? It's not your oh, thing? Every, every quarter I turned this week, there was some problem going on there. Either uh, bad losses, quarterbacks dropping balls, injuries. I, I got to tell you, I, I, may, I may just stop. I may just. I may just watch. It's going to happen at some point. I may just watch well, Gilligan's Island all weekend. At least you got forward. the baseball playoffs and the Yankees. Are, what is oh, that about? Geez. Be a friend. Oh, man. Be a friend. <laughs> Be a friend. It's a tough time for old Bonesy, all right? Uh, the text, by the way. I don't way. know what to do with my life right now. Oh. This, this was a rough this was a rough sports week. It was for a lot of people, it man. Was. I'm telling you, man, other than Clemson uh, and, and App State on a miracle 54-yard field goal at the end. I can't find anybody that was a winner on Saturday in, in the Carolinas or many of them. And then, obviously, the Panthers continue to frustrate. I mean, all I did is just laid out the intro to the show, and the text messages start coming yeah. in. Everybody's going off, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's Bryce. Um, the offensive ineptitude is absolutely pathetic, and it, it has been a, a problem for years. It has spanned multiple coaching staffs. Um, there's one link. There's one link, and it's David Tepper. Uh, it has been a miserable existence, and I, I, I don't I don't doubt the guy's trying. I don't doubt he really wants to win, but there is no denying it has been a miserable existence as a Panther fan since David Tepper took over this football team. There is just no denying that. And I, I'm not one person that believe I'm not a person that believes he doesn't care, 
I mean, a person that believes it doesn't bother him, he might care too much. Because when you start to hear things from me and Rappaport that you're, you want to trade at 0-3, now 0-4, for a starting wide receiver and a starting safety, and you already don't have a, a lot of draft collateral, it start, I start to wonder if that's the owner saying, hey, I need a better product on the field right now. But, Coach, but, but Tep, we don't have that many draft picks. I don't care. Use them up. Like, so I, I just this organization is beyond frustrating. Um, and it's, it seems to always be the offensive side of the ball. The defense yesterday, Bone, what they were able to do to allow 14 points to that explosive offense, and not only do they allow – and I know the run defense has problems. I'm not, I'm not saying they're perfect. But they were down, Bone, four starters for most of the game once Dante went out. Um, three starters in the secondary. And they had 130 passing yards, the number two pass offense in the NFL had 130 passing yards. Justin Jefferson, yeah, he had two touchdowns. He had 85 yards. You said they could do what, it. They did What it. a job. Of, I, I, you know, and again, I'm not saying defense is perfect. Would I have liked more from Burns? Hell yes. Would I like more from Luvu? But I just think you, I, I think the defense played a hell of a game, all things considered. The offense was going against a terrible defensive unit, an absolutely terrible defensive unit, and they couldn't get in the end zone. That is absolutely pathetic, man. Pathetic. To your point, I know that they scored 21 in total, but if we go back then 14 on the on the defense, if you go back to Friday, Mac, and I would tell you that the Vikings are going to end up with 21 points total, Kirk Cousins would have 139, Jefferson 85, Osborne 16 yards on one catch, and Jordan Addison no yards receiving. I would have said, oh, my God, the Panthers got on the board. The Panthers got a win. They were able to slow down. The Vikings offense, I would not have guessed in a million years that the Vikings defense versus the Panthers offense would turn out to be a mismatch. They did a great job. They did a great job. It was minus seven points because Sam Franklin made a hell of a play, and he had to make up for another one of these boneheaded PIs on a deep ball where we don't even look for the football. But he made up for it with 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 a pick six. It was minus seven for the defense. When the defense was on the field against their offense, they scored 14, we scored seven. That's a hell of a job. You should win that game every time. Every time. But you want to know what happened when the offense had the ball? We were outscored by one point. How pathetic is that? The other team's defense outscored our offense, seven to six. I mean, I just I cannot state how pathetic that is. I, I it's it's unbelievable. The running game, and to think that we thought this would be some powerhouse running game, and and, and in fairness, they're down the two starting guards, and that's a big deal. But this was the most pathetic the run game has been. Yeah, I need to come up with a synonym for pathetic because I've overused it already. Atrocious. The, uh, there you go. This is the most atrocious the run game looked. Um, I have to tell you right now about Miles Sanders. Like, literally, he gets a carry, and and I felt it in the stadium, too, the groans. He gets a carry, and it's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I do not want to see six touch the ball. Like, it's, it's Chuba Hubbard and LaVisca. How's he touched the ball two times? LaVisca moved that pile in his only carry. Then you throw a screen to him, he gets 10-plus. And Chuba Hubbard at least ran hard. Miles Sanders goes in there, and I I guess that worked in Philly when you have the best offensive line in football. But when you go in there tippy-toeing and waiting for your hole to get with this offensive line, the the hole ain't going to be there, bro. I I just He's at 2.9 yards a carry, one touchdown. His longest remains uh, that 15-yard spin move last week against... Seattle. That's his longest run of the year. Look, I was high on Miles Sanders. I defend. We got mad at Maurice Jones-Drew's list of where he ranked in the league, but the guy runs with no explosive ability. There's no big play. It's it really is, Mac. It, it, it's two point nine on average. I it literally is two yards every single time he gets the ball outside of maybe one or two runs a year. There's no explosion. He doesn't bounce. 
to the outside. There's nothing there. Um, that's one of the more surprising elements of all this. I thought for sure that with this offensive line's run block ability, even with newer guys in there at the guards right now, I thought Miles Sanders was the perfect fit for a young quarterback to run the football and what they needed. I, I've, yeah. I've been completely wrong on Miles. Well, I, let's I'm, face it. In fairness, all the guys we defended and got mad how low they were ranked in the offseason on the rankings, uh, everybody was right and we were wrong. Seriously, the folks that we defended here about it's just like, what what was I doing? What was I doing getting all huffy over lists that were that were ranking these folks low and who, who are proving they should have been ranked low? Chuba Hubbard should get more carries every time than Miles Sanders right now. There's no doubt who's a better running back for this team. Sanders, you can throw those little flares to him. He made a nice play on. I like that play design. I won't say that about much today where they had him in motion. And then they swung it out to him, and I like that one. But the it, and, and the coaching staff's getting called out in the text. I, I've tried to give this coaching staff a chance. I've tried to be patient with it. Yesterday, to me, I mean, it, when you again are going against this atrocious Minnesota Vikings defense, and you can't get in the end zone, this offensive star-studded coaching staff needs to be called out. I am so tired of wide receiver screens. Like, I, I swear to God, I don't want uh, – that's another. Miles Sanders runs in wide receiver screens. Man, I'm over them. I'm over all of that. Um, and I get it what Frank Reich said after the game, Bone, that, hey, you have to, you know, get the ball out quick and throw this short stuff because they're going to be blitzing. But I've noticed in the first three weeks, I think this team ran like 14 screens in the first three. Like, they like the wide receiver screen, this group. Yes. And by the way, if you're not running it to LaVisca Chenault, it's, it feels like a waste of time. Give me more screens to LaVisca Chenault. Um, two good plays. One of them called back because Icky was downfield. And then Icky's another one. It was another rough day at the office for Icky. I don't know what's going on with him. All the improvement he made last year, it feels like he's completely regressed. feels like he's a rookie again. Well, he's trying to find I mean, Harrison Smith this morning. Hopefully he locates him at some point. I mean, they didn't even blitz on that last one. They dropped three <laughs> back. They had they showed seven. Dropped three back in his own blitz. And, and and it was just Icky and Harrison Smith one-on-one. The safety beat him one-on-one in a pass rush rep. Yeah. I mean, God. Here's an example, Mac, of coaching ineptitude so far this season that we've seen in on the TV broadcast, Mac. I don't know how much you went back and watched last night. But in the all the offense, I watched. In, in the, I watched the offense in the fourth quarter. I lost track of which sack this was late in the game. What did they get? Five of their six sacks late in the game. All what in it? the second half. Every they, one. I, of them. I don't remember which one it was, but Brady Quinn. Well, I think he actually did a pretty good job on Fox yesterday. He said that in the meetings, the Vikings were telling him there's a there's a tell on Bryce Young in the pocket that he he. He stands a certain way, the way Brady described it. His chest will angle a certain way in the pocket. Like when he's dropping back? Yeah, when he's dropping back in the pocket, Mac, he kind of leans his chest a certain way where he stands. And when he does that, it, the way he's turned, it cuts off the other side of the field. So his vision is not well, that's great. a slight problem. So, but yet the Vikings. I, th- I thought we had the greatest processor in the history of processors. Well, also. Yeah, but he's also, only processing half the field. Like, I, the, I wonder, the, the Vikings are telling this to Brady Quinn. Where's the Panthers all-star coaching staff? If the Vikings are like, yeah, we can figure out a little yeah. bit of what he's going to do because he turns his body a certain way and it doesn't allow him to fully. whatever. I'm not a quarterback guru, but I believe it's he's not. I'll have to go back and He's listen. not seeing the other side of the field. I heard this moment. He said he was parallel to the line of scrimmage, so his chest, basically he's standing like he's taking the snap. He, he It's parallel well, to the line he's in the pocket? Yeah, he turns. He, he's not yeah. turned to the side so he can see everything, so he's missing certain things. And yeah. the other thing that he said it does, it limits him from being able to step up in the pocket because you're turned sideways 
the only ways you can go really are to your yeah. left or to your right to escape. And by the way, the Vikings, yeah, how long is it going to take our coaches the Vikings, to figure that the out? The Vikings told Brady Quinn this. How long is it going to take our coaches to figure that out, man? It's just, it's it's terrible. It's just, it's the same way to lose every week. Your offense is unwatchable, and we and games are unwinnable. I mean, that's a bad combination. And then don't even get me started on the amount of Vikings fans there again. I mean, I, I just don't understand. I, we have to have a serious talk where we – I need to know. We, we, we talked about this when the Niners did this. I need to know. Why is the whole roadside of the stadium lower level so many times 70% opposition? Like, I, I just, there was one section that had to be 90% Vikings fans over there behind their bench. Behind the road bench, like, who owns those seats? How do they always find their way to visiting fans? Where are the PSL like, owners? Bailey was asking yesterday on, on Twitter, where did all the... Yeah, because he and I were talking about yeah, it in the yeah, stadium, yeah. and then he went and tweeted it out. Like, who owns those tickets on the roadside, and why are they always sold? Always. Like, it's just serious. They went to break Mac multiple times yesterday. Alex Faust was the play-by-play guy. They went to break multiple times late in the game, showing all the – and he would mention, it's it's – Tons of purple in the crowd. It's a it's a Viking day, and sh- they were they were basically saying multiple times. It was terrible. That was embarrassing. Right it was there. terrible. The other, part, the other frustrating part about this whole thing and these losses, Mac, like yesterday, Atlanta, New Orleans, Seattle got away from them late. Although they were in the football game, they're not getting blown out here. They're in these games now. Detroit and Miami. That could go the blowout direction, but they they've had moments in all these games where they're all winnable. It's not like they got beat 31 to 10, 34 to 13, where, oh my God, we're way far off. Well, because the defense is keeping you in the games most of the time, except when Andy Dalton started. And that's another thing. It's like Andy Dalton got to throw the ball downfield. Um, KB and KB and I kept talking about this in a press box. Like there were a lot of times where routes in, 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 in a drop back weren't even going downfield. Like everything's so congested. You're not even take, don't you have to take some traffic away with a deep route? Even if you're trying to throw underneath, um, I, th- I thought Bryce had his best game. I thought it was far from perfect. I mean, his ball security on these two fumbles he's had now. Oh. I mean, seriously, bro. And then how about when he takes the sack? He takes the sack out of field goal range after that. Oh. Like, it's just his awareness. And that's the thing. It's like he's supposed to be so smart, so aware. And it's just – but he, he's a rookie. And I, I, I hate – Looking at the text line and people saying Bryce sucks, we bet you know he's terrible. Then of course Stroud throws for 300 yards and they blow out the Steelers. That doesn't help matters. It's one of the best like, rookie starts in the history of football. It's, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. And then, and then Richardson does some good things too. So um, that doesn't help matters, man, at all. It's frustrating as all get out. So much of it's so frustrating. And then I got to leave the stadium and I had to I had to uh, walk around the outside of the stadium. Also had to stand outside and wait. So I'm there while all these fans are pouring out because Little Mac was at the game with friends. So I had to go meet up with them. Um, that skull chant, seriously, that clap. First of all, why are you so t- excited about a tobacco product? I don't understand. Skull, skull. You like tobacco that much, you idiot? I was, seriously, I was going to make so this so annoying, man. They was, were, they were. It was a mob. It was a purple mob. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from six to ten. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio ninety two point seven WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Instant replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice.
afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. As we mentioned, live at the Spectrum Center for Charlotte Hornets Media Day. And who better to help us talk about it a little bit more so via technically still the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's Coach Steve Clifford joining us on Wesson Walker. Coach, thanks so much for the time. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling good. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. What What are your feelings generally surrounding media day? Like, does it mark the real start to the season? Are you a little reluctant to come into these media days with all the questions, or are you excited? What are your feelings around this point of uh, the season? I think for most coaches, this is the this is the funnest month. You mm-hmm. know, um, especially now, to be honest, where. As you guys know, you know we don't practice once the game starts like we used to. Um, this is your chance to, you know, really set a tone for the year. And if you want to have good practices and develop good practice habits, it needs to be done in this next. You know, we have 22 days before we play, so it's uh, a lot of planning over the over the months. Our guys have done a lot of work. I feel like we're in a good place, but you know, it's exciting to get started. What would you say is the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team when you reflect on the offseason? Well, obviously, we're in, I mean, uh, we're more talented. I mean, you know, just my, having Miles back, picking up Brandon Miller, knowing that Mark Williams goes from being a guy with potential to a guy that I would say is ready to be a good starter, good solid starter. Uh, Nick Richards' development last year where he's definitely, in my opinion, an every night rotation player. Um, and, uh, you know, then just, you know, health and continuity always helps. I mean, you know, we're, you know, uh, we just had September where we do the optional workout, so we're able to do eight. And, uh, you know, we got a lot more done this year than we did last year. And, Coach, so when you look at this team now, where are you at in the process? Because so many young guys, 25 and under, really the biggest star on your team is 22 years old. Where are you at in the process with these guys as far as how much you have to teach and then how much you can just kind of tweak things? No, that's a good question, and I think that's part of the trick as we go through this next 22 days. I I do know this. One of the hardest things that you want to get to uh, early in the year, no matter uh, how many years you coach somebody is, you have to start from the beginning and you have to build a foundation. And part of it also, especially a year when you didn't play in the playoffs and the offseason is so long, is they've got to get their intensity back and their concentration back. You know, you can't, that's not something that you just show up and it goes. You know I mean? It, it's interesting as a as a parallel to that, you know, I'm a, I'm a poor golfer, but I love golf. You know, watch the Ryder Cup. And to me, that was so much just about readiness. You know, our guys hadn't been playing. You know, they show up in the first, the first segment. The European guys had been playing, and it's 4-0. And that was game over right there. And the NBC, NBA season is the same way. Regardless of how good a player you are, you've got to get yourself in the right frame of mind to play well. Uh, so besides the, the fundamental schemes, coverages, all that stuff, that's a big part of it also. And then, Coach, uh, Miles Bridges coming back. How has he assimilated himself back with this basketball team? And what have you seen from him so far? Any rust, or does he look like he's ready to step back out and pick up where he left off? 
he looks a lot better to me. And again, all we've done is optional stuff, but they've played a lot of pickup. He does. He. I told him the other day, he's much more in rhythm than I could have hoped for. Uh, he obviously did a lot of work last year, stayed in the gym. He hasn't played a lot, but since he's been back, he's uh, he's been in here nonstop. Uh, I think he's given everybody a jolt of confidence and energy. Uh, he's shown what a great teammate that he is and hard worker. And, uh, no, I would say that, again, we've got to figure out how to navigate this training camp, you know, first 10 games without him, and keep him going so that he can hit it running. But, you know, he's in a good place. That's what I was going to ask about. How does that change your ability to get ready for the opener? Because, as you mentioned, clearly more talented with Miles on the roster, but he's not available for the first 10 games. And then you got to talk about him having not played for a year, trying to get him integrated back into the system, get in real game rhythm how does that change the way that you get ready for the season with guys filling in for those first 10 games and beyond no and I think that's the trick and I think all you can do to be honest is watch you know watch him watch them uh you know the one thing that I believe in this is the Van Gundy way the Riley way you know we we play a ton in training camp probably more than I'm sure Tibbs does um but people always think of the way we would do it as more structured and you know the best way to get guys in tension and rhythm is run up and down the floor so you know we'll start this first five we'll take we'll go five days before we before we take a day off and the majority of every day will be scrimmaging and so you know we bring in refs and we play live and that will give us a good uh you know, amount of minutes to put different combinations out there, see who looks good with who, and then kind of evaluate that and try to make the best decision from there. You talked about putting the basketball out there, letting the guys run a lot. How has Brandon Miller responded to that? Because I know you talked about him having a high IQ. Do you expect Brandon Miller to contribute in a pretty significant way from day one? Yes. Um, He's been... Uh, I would say everything that I thought he could be, uh, high IQ, which has really become more and more difficult to find out of the college ranks, super high IQ. They like playing with him already. When he's open, he shoots it. When he's not, he moves it. He knows how to play without the ball. He can really pass, um, and he plays at both ends of the floor. So, I mean, he's going to get big minutes. I mean, now, again, as you know, I know I always get the – knock he doesn't play younger guys which i would argue if you look at it it's not really true right i do say i've always played the younger guys who deserve to play yeah. and i do think he will he will be one of those guys but i also think that what people don't understand is when you think you have somebody who's going to be a big part of things and especially see i think we have a playoff type roster is you've also have to pace them in a way so that when you get with these younger guys to game 70 to 82 to the playoffs that they've got a lot left so that's part of the trick with him too but he's been uh no nah, he's he's been terrific and then, Coach, we know defense is your M.O. When they brought you in here, that was one of the main things they wanted you to be able to fix this defense. Finished last season 20th in defensive rating. But with Mark Williams and, and some of the guys starting to grow in your system, where do you feel that these guys are at from a defensive standpoint? No, I thought we made, you know, we made good gains. And, um, 
you know, we struggled early, and one of the things that Mark did was, um, you know, his rim protection, also Nick Richards' rim protection, and we also got we got a lot better controlling the ball. And in today's NBA, uh, five out, you know, four out, one in, all the skill on the floor is you can't get rocked off the dribble all the time. And our numbers early in the year with our individual defense were really bad. And by the last 20 games of the year, they were actually very good. So Mark was part of that. Nick was part of it. But, you know, our veteran guys, so like Terry Rozier's individual defensive numbers at the end of the year before he set out were really, really good. Um, P.J. Washington's numbers got to be really good. And, uh, you know, we need it from everybody. If you're a guy now that can't guard the guy you're guarding a little bit, you know, you better be 25 a night. And there's not many guys like that. And talking about guys that can do that, Cody Moore and the news came out still going to be a little bit before we get to see him. And I know a guy like yourself, I know he, he's got to be one of your favorite players, 3 and D type of guy. So how excited will you be to get him back and how much longer do you think it'll be? Yeah, I don't know what the timeline will be. He did... Uh you know, he's on the floor. He's doing a lot of rehab. He does a lot of individual work. And he felt uh, a lot better here in these past few days, and it was good to see. So, fingers crossed he'd make a big difference for our team. And the sooner the better. You know, what do they say? Uh, hope for the best and plan for the worst. So, we have plan B, but certainly if he can play, he can make a big difference. No, you're a busy man on Hornets Media Day. Did have a couple more questions for you. You mentioned the absence of Cody Martin. Unfortunate there. Kai Jones, obviously not practicing with the team not right now. Team released a statement. He's not going to be here for Media Day and not going to be there for training camp. I know you didn't have a comment the first time except for some of the reasons as to why he'd be absent. My question is, how is the team responding to his absence during everything that's going on with Kai Jones right now. Yeah, you know, we're just going to stick with the, the statement that the team came out with and, and just leave it at that. So if you look at the offseason for some of these other young players, you've talked a lot about the importance of having a good summer for guys that are willing to take or ready to take that next step. Any young player on the roster that you think had a really nice summer when you think about it? Uh, Nick Richards will be at the top of that. JT Thor. Good. Had a really good offseason. Bryce McGowan's. Uh, I think particularly, you know, he wasn't happy with the the way he played in Summer League. But I think from Summer League on, had a really good offseason. You know, Nick Smith is, you know, he was here only shorter. But he's a terrific worker and he has a bright future. So, yeah, you know what? Most of our guys, like in September, we have eight optional workouts. And they will all move back by then, which you don't get a lot in the NBA. So we have a lot of guys that put a lot into this. Coach, when you look at this roster now with Miles coming back, you draft Brandon Miller and also just the injury bug along guys hopefully staying healthy. This team a couple of years ago was a playing team back-to-back seasons. Do you feel like that you're getting back on that trajectory where you guys can kind of aim for the playoffs? How far? What What do you feel like needs to happen for that to happen now that you've got everybody back and ready to yeah, go? Yeah, and in, and in addition to that, I would say this. Gordon Hayward 
has been had a great September, and this was the first offseason since he's been a Hornet where he didn't have to rehab all summer. So he was healthy to start, and he looks great. I mean, I would say that looking at it, and they were also both healthy, but when they've played more five-on-five so far, you know, he and Terry have been the best players, you know, so uh, which to me is a good thing. You know, they both had good summers and are ready to go. To me, I would say that you know, this will be, they told me this morning, this will be my 10th year as a head coach. And in terms of just talent, talent, you know, this will be the most talented team that I've coached. Now, we're young. Mm-hmm. And I would also say this, even compared to two years ago, the East is a lot, lot different than it was two years ago. Uh, you don't have, those were years where you had four or five teams not trying to win, right? So those playoff type things are going to be there. I, I, I look at our team and I say, um, we've got to navigate that first, say, 20 games where we can get through the 10 without Miles and then figure out how to integrate him back into it. Health is a big part for everybody. Hopefully we get you know, a little bit more fortunate with the health part this year. But I see no reason why we can't be a playoff team. Final question for you, Coach. Speaking of health, LaMelo battled injuries all season long. One, how's he looking right now? How is he looking to get ready for the upcoming season? And I know you talked about him improving defensively this year in a quote, I believe, with Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. How much do you expect him to be better both offensively and defensively? Well, he's done a great job this summer. You know, he had a significant injury. As we start camp here, he's been cleared. Um, You know, he's been playing live five-on-five. We are going to be, like we would have with everybody else, you know, careful just to make sure we don't overdo it. Um, But he's worked hard all summer. In terms of his play, I'll give you this one. And and I, I know three of them, but I believe that last year, with a sample size of just under 200 minutes, Mark with PJ, with Mello, with, I believe, Terry, they were like the second best, whoever else was on the floor, they were like the second best defensive group in the NBA. So when people say Mello can't, he got improved, listen, he improved greatly last year defensively. And when you watch him in September, you know, doing the drills and being detailed about things and wanting to know what we need to do, he's really gotten a lot better. And then the the part to me for him, and this is for him to be a superstar, and I've talked to him about this since I got here, he needs a pick-and-roll game. I mean, you know, if you look at all the great perimeter players, they're either great ISO players, I'm, I'm talking about to be great now, or they're great pick-and-roll players, and he needs to play in more pick-and-rolls, which was our plan last year, just the injuries curtailed it. And then the, he's worked really hard this summer with Marlon Garnett on that, that, that phase of his game. And uh, when he was younger, he did a lot of good things. You know, the crunch time stuff was a little bit up in the air, and to me, that's pick-and-rolls. You know, last five minutes of an NBA game, watch every playoff game. It's a pick and roll or an ISO. That's it. You put your best player out there. People are not moving around anymore. you got to get to it. And that's what I tell him. we got to get to the point where we need a basket. It's your game. It's a pick and roll. 
and we score. So I think those are the things that he's got to concentrate most on. That's great stuff from Coach Steve Clifford of your Charlotte Hornets here at the Spectrum Center for Hornets Media Day. We'll keep you covered all day long. Coach, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Good to see you guys. All right. Good to see you too. All right. So a lot of great stuff there. We can rehash some of those comments, some of the answers from Coach Clifford in just a moment. We'll continue with some Carolina Panthers conversation in just here and uh, in a little bit. Big thanks to Steve Clifford. We'll put that interview on our website, WFNZ.com. You want to go back to the Panthers, or do you think people want to hear more Hornets talk? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? We can rehash a little bit of what Coach just said you, since he was just on the <laughs> just on the set. Yeah, I mean, you can text us. I re- it, it's interesting to see what the audience wants. Do they want us to just chastise the Panthers for the offensive performance <laughs> again? Do we want to focus? I'm not on want to hear what we got to say. Do we want to focus on hope? I think we saved the best for last with Lamelo. I will say that. Yes. We just want to hone in there just a little bit. LaMelo pick-and-roll game, half-court set when the offense bogs down. I think he's totally right about that. You talk about Mark Williams growing offensively, you know, that center pick-and-roll exchange, him diving to the rim, being taller than everyone with some athleticism. That'll be a lot of fun. But, Wes, he even talked about it in that Charlotte Observer article, running pick-and-roll with perimeter players. Having Miles Bridges back? A strong dude that can get downhill and slam it on you for a lob, that's going to help a lot with his PNR decision-making and just overall playmaking because his job should be easier. Really like that answer. Anything that sticks out to you from what Coach Clifford said? Uh, just him talking about uh, the youth on this team and where they're at in their development. Can he do more, you know, just kind of, tweaking and, and coaching instead of having to teach all of the time and uh, guys not getting down basic things. That's the thing because there is a lot of talent here uh, on this roster. You know, when you look at it with Miles coming back, with the addition of Brandon Miller, and we saw uh, some good flashes from him during the summer league. So there's a lot to like about this roster when you talk about the youth and uh, everything that's there. But this could be a team that if they do focus, because we know a couple of years ago when they were on that plus excuse me, 10 win per uh, trajectory that that was the main thing on the nights when they played defense they could compete with anyone but it was just that it wasn't consistent the defensive effort and so I think with this team it's a matter of that because I feel like that this team is going to have a ton of problems scoring uh, I feel like they've got shooting they've got guys that can go out and get you 20 you got guys that you can rely on to give them the basketball and say give me a bucket it's just going to come down do you want to play defense because we hear coaches all the time talk about defense is all about want and attitude and that's the thing is this team going to take that attitude that they want to play defense. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. He's a man who's seen ups and downs in the NFL, though most of his were ups. I'm sure he'd tell you about the downs as well. He's a Panthers legend, NFL Network analyst, and he's here to uh, break it all down for us after an 0-4 start to the Carolina Panthers season. The great Steve Smith Sr. is back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline steve it's good to have you back you're really good at breaking down tape and telling us what the real truth is out there on the football field uh, four weeks in four losses what does the tape tell you um other than captain obvious well four losses right um it's a, it's a tough one man I'm, i you know um i'm not true but i would imagine uh what's what's the text line called now right now uh just the text line right now 
Okay, the text line is killing everybody associated yes. Yes. with. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough. So let's just jump into it. I can't give you my opinion because I, I won't give you my opinion of the the reasoning of the complaining. But I mean, you know, teachers own this. Uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, so. You turn on the tape, do you see a broken football team that has no identity, no direction, or do you see critical mistakes that can be cleaned up? Critical mistakes, they have an identity. The identity is you have your franchise quarterback. You have a stellar defense who keeps uh, keeping us in games. Um, But unfortunately, the offense um, is uh, putting along. Um, And it's it's, um, making it difficult to close out games. Can Bryce Young play? That's a question that some people are at odds with today. Three games, three starts, three losses. You know, folks already jump into, oh, we should have, we took the wrong guy. Steve, can Bryce Young play in the NFL? Absolutely, Bryce Young can play. You can see that Bryce Young can play. He's under duress. He's constantly getting uh, pressure, but he's delivering a football. It's not like he's out there staring down receivers and not pulling the trigger. When you really look at the game in itself, it's it's tough to watch, right? When you look at look on third down, who's getting the ball on thirty third down? Fifty percent of all the targets is going to Adam Thielen. Mm-hmm. He's reliable. He knows exactly where to be, how to be, and Bryce Young is comfortable throwing him the ball, and he's open. That's the other part, right? He's open in the designated. Uh, routes that he's running and so he's getting the football we knew he'd be reliable when he got here right that's that's yeah. what they brought him here to do was to help bring along a rookie quarterback but what about the rest of that wide receiver room how do you evaluate that room through four weeks otherwise well you go through if i go through each guy before i go through each guy here's what it is you have a young receiver room outside of adam thielen who are inexperienced, lack of skill. And when I say lack of skill, I'm not talking about they can't play football. They can play football. They can. They, they, they're they not playing it when you compare them to a Justin Jefferson. Uh, well, listen, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a fantastic football player. How does he look right now? Right? Mm-hmm. So all of that has to work. But when I look at, like, Terrence Marshall Jr. Terrence Marshall Jr. can play football, but he lacks he lacks explosion. He lacks the ability to really do some things that you go, wow, that jumps off the page. And with Terrence Marshall, when I look at him, he's a guy that can't play, but if you're expecting him all of a sudden to turn into a Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins, a Justin Jefferson, that just isn't who he is. He's a young guy who's trying to figure it out, and they're trying to figure out where does he play the best. The vertical threat for the Carolina Panthers is DJ Chark. But it's also, look at Chenault. Chenault is really showing that he is hungry to get on the football field, and you saw he started to play a little bit more than some of the other guys and, and feed him the ball because he can finish. With his pass forwards, he's not dancing around, and it's just it, it, it's really right now watching this team. You got to expect what they are, which is a young team led by a young quarterback, 
and you're going to have some up and downs. And people are all of a sudden expecting because you're drafted uh, Bryce Young that all of a sudden he's going to be the miracle worker and he's going to fix everything in in the same in the same token. People are talking so bad about David Tepper as if David Tepper was out there catching passes. Like he's out there blocking. He's out there running routes and playing special teams. I, I can joke with Mr. Tepper and say it. That man ain't out there doing no special team. <laughs> he ain't he ain't blocked a kick in centuries. Steve Smith Sr., Panthers legend, NFL network analyst. He's with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Um in terms of Play call, getting the plays called and, and executing. I mean, one thing that listeners and fans have pointed out a lot, and I saw some of this yesterday, is the time it takes to get the play in, get to the line of scrimmage. It seems like they're just barely beating the play clock every no. single time. You tell me what's real out there. What's going on? What's real is when you look at Bryson, all the evaluation process, it, the evaluation process is about how many pluses outweigh the minuses. Every player has pluses and minuses. And in an evaluation process, you want to say, hey, this guy, the minuses he has, well, the pluses outweigh. And one of the things that we know Bryce is, man, Bryce is smart as they come. He's a smart cookie. Here's what I do believe watching the tape. I think he's a little bit too smart in regards of giving him too many options. Most, most players, like a Bryce Young, you can sometimes – overanalyze, overthink, overprocess. And I believe he is, for a young guy, he's getting way too many options before the snap. And his pre-snap, uh, pre-snap routine and him looking at things, I think it's too much. I think you got to simplify it in regards to make allow him to play fast because if you watch the Minnesota Vikings, they started to show things that weren't necessarily true. And what do I mean by that is they were showing all out blitz and then they were backing out so he can, because they were coming to the line with two plays. Okay. For a dumb guy, you don't give dumb people two plays people. You don't, you only give people more options with smart people. And so he goes out there and he's, he sees one look. Hey, if you see this look, we're going to this play. If this is the other look, we're going to this play. So they show one look that would make them go to the other play. Terrence Marshall gets a, they throw a screen, try to throw a screen to him, and the defensive end comes up the field, and people are saying, oh, Icky needs to chip that guy. You don't chip when you're throwing a screen. You let him go because he's going to pursue, right, see ball, hit ball. He's going to go and try to hit the quarterback. But this guy, hey, he gets paid too. He says, hey, they're going to throw a screen. So he doesn't pursue the quarterback. He goes upfield but then plays the screen like most defensive, smart defensive players as well. Another smart player like Nick Bosa. You've seen Nick Bosa do it. You've seen Julius Peppers do it. You've seen a number of DNs that are in are smart who recognize and look at tendencies when the teams throw those screens and they, and they try to get a pick. That's not on Icky. Now, listen, I can tell you, there's a few things that are on Nicky, but that wasn't on Nicky. That was just one team looking at tendencies and habits, making that team do that. That's what scouting and, and, and the chess match in, within the game starts to happen. 
Speaking of that, um, game management. That's one thing that head coaches are absolutely expressly responsible for. Game management, time management, and then you throw in play calling on top of it. And to some, it seems like a lot. And especially in a situation like this where things aren't going well. What would you say to those who believe Frank Reich shouldn't be calling plays anymore because game management and time management you know, need to be the bigger priority for him? Well, let's talk about the second half. Going into the second half, all that time was on the clock. People have to understand that you're gun- this is going to be a bumpy road. And you got to let your God make mistakes. If you do everything for someone, what are, what are you doing? Enabling them. Mm-hmm. But you got to let him process, make mistakes, figure out what he should or shouldn't do. Every game, not here on out, from week, from the first week of preseason till the end of the 2023 season, this is a maturation process. This is a figure out what he does well, what he doesn't what he doesn't do well, going to the off season. And now you have enough notes. Because here's where Bryce Young has never been an NFL quarterback. He's been a college, high school, but he's never been an NFL quarterback. And for some people who's sitting at home or listening in the car, they will say, Well Well we know that Steve, duh. Yes. But you got to allow him to make mistakes and mismanagement. You kind of got to watch him fumble and bumble over himself and make mistakes in front of us. Because if you do it for him, he never learns. Uh, Steve, I'll I'll let you go on this. And I don't know if this speaks to anything important or not, but I, I am just curious if nothing else. I watched Justin Herbert get lit up on the sideline by, by the Raiders yesterday and his entire sideline and offensive line come to his aid. Um, yesterday, I watched Jordan Hicks hit Bryce Young after the play was whistled dead and knock him flat to the ground. And nobody did a thing to Jordan Hicks. Does that bother you as a guy who was pretty feisty on a football field? No, nah, it doesn't bother me because everybody's everybody operates differently. Every team uh, uh, mantra is different. That's funny. Because you're talking to a feisty guy. Mm-hmm. How many texts? How many texts did you receive when I was playing? Get that guy out of here. We don't need that crap on our team. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Not mm-hmm. answer. I mean, oh, we, I don't know. we received. Well, I was a few of them. I, I mean, I, okay, I haven't but, seen it for you, those, but I get your point. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like every time I do football and I talk about a player that probably shouldn't do things, you know what I always get? I can't respect a guy who punched two teammates. Oh, I so still get that. You, I still get so, that from so, time to time. So which which one do you want? Yeah, that's a fair question. So I, I and and all I'm saying is, don't adjust your menu and the type of player you want based on the season. Stick with one, people. You want dogs, thugs? I mean, you just pick one. I'm not saying the Carolina Panthers are thugs or there's thugs on the team. I'm just asking. Stop moving the goalpost when it's convenient. And the other part is, this is totally me. Stop selling your damn tickets to every other team and complaining about stuff. Ride or die with your team or stop coming. All right, we'll let you walk it off there. Steve Smith, thank you for the time as always, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.